Thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity to know God. For more information, including locations, service times, and small groups, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. Let's jump into the message. What's up, LifePoint Church? How y'all doing today? Come on, everybody. Aren't you glad you came to church? Come on now. So good to have you all with us today. I want to say Welcome, 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 especially if today is your very first time. I want to introduce myself to you. My name is Mike Burnett. My wife Stephanie and I are honored to serve as pastors here and I'm so glad that you would join us for your very first Sunday here. Welcome also to all of our guests who are joining us around the world online. This morning during our 730 service, we actually got to uh, stream into, a, a, there's a church that meets in South Africa. They're from South Africa. Uh, it's called Batswood Baptist Church, and they're in Cape Town, South Africa. And uh, every week they have church in the morning, they take a lunch break, and then they come back in the afternoon to join our 7.30 live stream. So we got a church meeting in South Africa. I wanna say what's up to our South Africa folks, as well as people all around the world. And a big shout out to everyone at our Austin P State University campus. Come on, Life Points, one more time. Just say what's up to our whole church family. We love you guys. <laughs> Last Sunday, Stephanie and I, while Pastor Bo was preaching here, uh, Stephanie and I got to go visit Pastor Jordan and Aaron and our Austin P campus, and he actually preached the message there, crushed it, and what an amazing and exciting campus that we have at Austin P at the Clement Auditorium, and I'm still asking 500 of you to give up your seat at Rossview Road, and if you're watching in your living room in Clarksville, come on, put on your clothes, brush your teeth, and come and join us at our Austin P campus. We, are, we have a goal of two services at that location, and uh, we're looking to do more ministry there as God grows that campus, so we would love for you to go. We're one church, guys. It's not campus duels here. There's no battles in the parking lot, y'all. We are one church, same message, same heart, trying to reach our city for Jesus. Can I hear an amen, everybody? I'm really excited about today's sermon. I don't know if you could tell, I'm kind of amped up. So y'all get out a notebook, figure out a way to take notes. We're gonna go to school today. Uh, I wanna thank you as always for being a generous church. We believe in and practice tithing. That is, we bring our first 10% of our income to the Lord. And we do that through our local church. And throughout the scripture, God's plan is for God's people to provide for ministry through God's house. Listen, I wanna encourage you, if this is your home church, that you would be faithful in tithing here. It's interesting, uh, we, we're all givers to certain things. I just wanna know if God is at the top of your list and challenge you in that area. My family's reading through the Proverbs of the day. Uh, I've asked you during this month to read through Proverbs of the day. In fact, I said, uh, for this year, let's read through whatever the date is, read that Proverb of the day as part of your devotional rhythm this year. And we'll gain a lot of knowledge, wisdom, and the word of God in our hearts as we do that together as a church. So yesterday we're reading at dinner time through Proverbs 17. And it starts with this verse, Proverbs 17, one, listen to this. Better is a morsel with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting and strife. Can I get an amen from somebody up in here? Listen, the idea of this proverb is simple. It's better to be at peace and have a simple life with little, with peace, than to have everything, wealth, money, power, influence, and your life is a mess, your family's falling apart, and you got a house full of strife. I'm just gonna tell you, I've been in ministry a while, and uh, sometimes the people with the most have the least amount of peace. They may have everything, and on the outside, everything feels put together, but man, their, their, their soul is falling apart, right? And I'm just telling you, the scripture tells us uh, it's better to have a little with peace and quiet. And that's, that's, we can apply that text in many directions in our lives. But for some of us, we struggle with tithing and giving because we feel like if I tithe and I give this money away, I'm gonna lose, I'm gonna take a loss in my income. 
But let me remind you of something. Obedience to God brings peace in your life. And so it is better to have less in your, and by the way, you won't have less when you're a tither. Can all the tithers say amen to that? But it's better to have obedience to God even if it means obedience requires giving and sacrifice. And when we tithe out of a heart of obedience, his peace is worth way more than the stress or strife that comes with trying to manage more and keep it all to yourself. So let me encourage you to be a tither and a giver, be obedient to God and trust him and his peace. He's your provider anyway. Can I hear an amen from the church today? Come on now. All right, hey, today I'm excited uh, to preach the third message in our Words of Wisdom series. How many of you have appreciated this series through the book of Proverbs so far? As we're reading through Proverbs, I feel like this could be a 48-year series. There's so much in the book of Proverbs. Um, But today, I'm excited to preach the third message. Last Sunday, Pastor Bo and Pastor Jordan preached at each of the campuses they pastor and uh, did an amazing job. Today, I'm preaching the message is the fear of God, the fear of God. Now, this is a theme throughout the book of Proverbs. It's actually a theme throughout the entirety of your Bible to be a people who live with fear of God. And I gotta say, there's lots to say on this topic today. I wanna jump right into my message. And let me just tell you on the front end, there are a lot of misconceptions we wanna deal with about the fear of God. There's a great book that I wanna encourage everyone to read. And I wanna talk about how we cultivate a life of fear of God in a healthy way from a heart that truly fears the Lord. Let me just tell you on the front end, a life lived with the fear of God is the best way for you to live your life. Now let me, I'll unpack it and teach it. Everybody needs to take notes today. I don't care if you're writing them on your neighbor's neck so you can read them later. Grab a pen, get these notes, get your phone out. I'm telling you, this is gonna change your life today. First thing we need to do is we need to understand what the fear of the Lord is. We need a correct understanding. I wanna jump right into the passage, not from Proverbs, but I wanna give a theme verse that kind of sets us up for how to have an understanding of our responsibility with the fear of God, the fear of the Lord. And it comes out of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We're gonna feel like we're in the classroom today, so everybody nerd out. Come on, Dr. Burnett's in the house. We gonna go for it. Lots of notes today, but it's a great, it's a great message. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, the writer of Ecclesiastes kind of giving some final thoughts. He says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. In other words, it's like a judge finally going, I'm ready to give a verdict. I've heard everything I need to hear. Watch this. The end of the matter, everything's been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. What is our life to consist of? Ready? Fear God and keep his commandments. Can I tell you what religion says? Keep his commandments because you're afraid of God. That's not what the scripture says. The whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep his commandments. And if you don't get the order of these things right, you'll do his commandments out of fear and being afraid or out of religious duty. And let me tell you something, that will wear you out. But the whole duty of man, the entire duty, the writer says, after everything is settled and everything's been heard, here's what you do with your life. Fear God and do what he says. This is the whole duty of man. So let's talk about this. (laughs) Fear is a negative word in our modern English language, isn't it? And I get that, right? Like we grow up as children, we're afraid of the dark, we're afraid of sounds, we're afraid of Michael Jackson and Thriller. Still one of the best music videos ever. All right, I'm not doing any more. All right, we grow up with fear. Many of us have a negative connotation 
because the word fear is negative. And as a result, we have a negative connotation of the idea of fearing God. Now, part of that's our religious baggage. I don't wanna give every reason why we have a hard time with fearing God, but part of it is our religious baggage. Part of it's how we grew up. Part of it is because of the way our, our parents parented us, that we're afraid of authority, we're afraid of fathers, and we're afraid of parents. Part of it's our misunderstanding of the heart and nature of God towards us. Some of our misunderstanding of fear of God comes from our misunderstanding of God, of the Trinity, of the glorious eternal Godhead, how God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit interact with each other and even with us. Some of us, we, we, we take a Greek mythology approach to God. We look at God the Father like Thor or Zeus. We see him as this gray-haired, angry dad, full of judgment and fire, sitting on this marble slab throne with a bolt of lightning ready for you to just mess up and make a mistake. Then we have this view of Jesus, the son of God, God the son, as this soft-haired hippie friend who's the good guy. He's my bro. Hey, man, don't worry about the father. I got your back, homie. And then we don't even know what to do with our view of God the Holy Spirit. We think he's a mist or a cloud or he's at a weird church or we think of the spirits our own conscience. I've literally heard people say the Holy Spirit is my emotions and conscience. No, he's not. Because your emotions and conscience didn't create the, the whole universe. And we think he's unknowable. We think, man, the Holy Spirit, he's just kind of the weird one. So I'm just gonna focus on Jesus. I'm, I'm scared of the Father. Jesus is my homeboy. I don't know what to do with the Holy Ghost. He can be at them other churches. By the way, I could teach a whole series on the doctrine of the Trinity. It is in a glorious eternal mystery, the Godhead that we serve. But man, I'm telling you, God the Father loves you. God the Son saves you. God the Spirit fills you. They're all God forever, co-equally eternal. They are majestic and powerful. But the verse says, fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. So I want everybody to say, this is my duty, to fear God and keep his word. So let me just tell you some encouragement, write this down. Fear of God is not terror under God. Fear of God is not living your life under constant threat of pain from God. I just gotta tell you right now, like I'm gonna get real passionate and I'm gonna need your passion to match mine a little bit. Because <clears throat> I've already heard this sermon once and I don't need it again, it's for you. And my glasses have this dark rim here so I look like I'm scowling a lot, but I'm not, I'm happy. I'm really encouraged by this sermon today. <laughs> I don't know how else to help you. <laughs> I'm not yelling. Fear of God is not your life under constant threat or terror of pain from God. Listen to me, he is a loving father. He's a good, good father. He is a friend of sinners. He is our advocate. He's closer to us than any brother. He is for you, he's not against you. God never has evil planned for you. God never has bad for you. In fact, the wrath and judgment of God is so severe and so strong that he chose to take it upon himself when Jesus went to the cross on our behalf. He's so good. He said, I won't dole out my wrath on my sons and daughters. I'll dole it out on myself. And that is the greatest substitutionary atonement move of God. In his awe of us, we can have awe of him because he's a good God, he's a great God, and we love God because he loves us. Listen to me when I tell you, <clears throat> God is not waiting in the shadows to catch you doing bad so that he can make you suffer under his mighty hand of judgment. Jim Carrey and Bruce Almighty, smite me, almighty smiter. That is not the God we serve, but we are to fear him and keep his commandments. Fear is not terror under God. 
As Christians, we're not called to be in fear of God, afraid of God. Now, let me be very clear. The wrath and judgment of God is a terrible thing. Hell is real. And for the believer, if you're a Christian, the Bible calls you a son and a daughter. Part of our pain with the fear of God is we've got baggage from our earthly parents and maybe how they parented us has produced some fear of parent figures. And, and I know in my own life, like a, a misunderstanding of God the Father because of growing up without a father and how many, praise God, he's a healer of even that. I love my father, it's a great relationship now, but how I grew up without a father produced some thoughts about my heavenly father. But I'm here to tell you that we serve a God who's closer than a brother. He's the father to the fatherless and we have nothing to fear of him. If we're believers in Christ, you are doted on, loved, adored deeply and he desires to be close to you, to dwell in you and inside of you. Fear is not terror under God. Fear is a way of life for God's people. The biblical word fear in the English language is not well understood. So a better term for fear of God is to live with awe of God. Write that down, awe, A-W-E. Anybody have teenage kids who say awesome all the time? Well, maybe this is more in the early 2000s or late 90s, right? Everything was awesome. Everything is awesome. Hey kids, we're going to the mall, awesome. Hey kids, the dog's here, awesome. Hey kids, the dog pooped on the floor, awesome. You know, like we just throw away the word awesome too much. To live with fear of God I want you to think of the things that capture your breath. There's a website, the Hubble Telescope website has photos of the expanse of the galaxy. And there are times when you look at the expanse, the broad nature of the creation of God and you go, how amazing. Let me just rant for a second, get my preach on for just a moment. A life of fear of God is a life of awe to live with amazement, reverence, constant delight in the power of our amazing God. Listen to me, God is the God who holds all of creation in his hands, who created everything that is out of absolutely nothing. He's the God, the Bible says his hand is so massive. He is eternal in every way that he is. His hand is so massive that the entirety of the expanding universe fits within the span of his two fingers. He is the God who's over everything, the entirety of the expanse of the universe. He is the good God who loves the whole world that he created so much that he gave his own life to pay for the full measure of sin and disobedience that all of us lived in. And he did it as a free gift with nothing expected in return, but a life of faith and devotion. He offered it as the one and only sacrifice for all of the sins of all of the human race for all time. And that amazing and infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful, infinitely present God, full of power and majesty and power and holiness. He's the God who knows every single thought you think, hair on your head, every tear you've ever cried and he watches every breath you breathe. He's the alpha and omega and he is the very present help in time of trouble. We serve a good God and he's awesome and amazing. I wanna recommend highly this book, The Awe of God by John Bevere. I cannot recommend this book enough. I've read it twice. I'm gonna read it again. I've recommended it so many times, especially as people are struggling in their lives. One of the questions I've been asking is tell me about your devotion life. Tell me about your love of God. Tell me about your reverence and awe and fear of God. <laughs> I've, I've watched this, I've, I've read this a lot. Honestly, we are 
creatures of awe and reverence. We know how to revere, we know how to give reverence, but we need to recapture the awe and reverence of God. Keep, fear God, awe him, revere him, and keep his commandments. Remember what I said, to just keep his commandments without a love and reverence for him is religious duty and it's exhausting. But we first revere and love and stand in awe. I've read it twice, I recommend it a lot. To live with the fear of God is to live in awe and reverence. I wish I could just spend uh, the rest of my time reading the whole book to you, but I won't. (laughs) But just in chapter three, uh, he talks about what is holy fear. I'm telling you, get this book, it'll change your life. Let me just read some captions here for you. Give me a moment here. Um, There are many, this fear of God concepts all over your Bible, but of course we're in a series in Proverbs, so we'll get there in just a moment. The New Testament scriptures we can start with about this starts here in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, how many of you know we serve a God whose kingdom will never be rattled by elections, by earthquakes, by inflation. We serve a kingdom that'll never be shaken and we've received that by faith. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire, Hebrews 12. He says, if you look closely, you'll observe there are two terms referenced here, reverence and godly fear. Some people think awe and fear is just reverence. He said, this shows godly fear can't just be reverence, otherwise he's just repeating himself. Reverence and godly fear would be then reverence and reverence. So he differentiates the two words. He says, reverence, uh, the complete word study dictionary defines reverence as profound, adoring, awe and respect. To have reverence for God is profound adoration and love and adoring awe and respect. The second term, godly fear, carries a heaviness to it. It it carries the meaning of awe, but awe's definition from the original 1982 edition of Noah Webster's Dictionary, here's what it says. To have awe is fear and dread inspired by something great and terrific, not horrible and and terrible, by something great and terrific, to strike with fear and reverence, to influence by fear, terror, or respect. Don't be alarmed by the words dread or terror, though the Greek dictionary also uses these words. Remember, watch this, holy fear draws us and does not repulse us. So we have to ask, is there a positive and healthy aspect to the words reverence and godly fear. And the scripture says there is. And then John Bevere goes on. He says, let's begin by listing definitions for the fear of God. You ready? To fear God is to reverence and to live in complete awe and amazement and wonder of God. To fear God is to hallow him. Hallowed be your name. Hallow is defined as respect greatly. To fear God is to esteem, respect, honor, venerate, to adore him with more than anyone or anything else. When we fear God, we take on God's heart. We love what God loves. We hate what God loves. We hate what God hates, excuse me. Notice it doesn't say we dislike what he hates or we wrestle with agreeing with what he hates. Rather, we hate what God hates. What's important to God becomes important to us. What's not important to him does not become important to us. To fear God is to hate sin. To fear God is to hate injustice. Fear God and do his commandments. This is the whole duty of man, right? To fear God is to depart from evil in every sense, in every thought, word, and action. It's to refrain from speaking deceitfully. It will not say or put on an appearance that's untrue to one's heart and thoughts. It keeps our outward behavior congruent with our inward thoughts, motives, and beliefs because we fear God. 
To fear God is to walk in authentic humility before God and before man. To fear God, watch this, is to give God praise, adoration, thanksgiving, and worship that he deserves. To fear God is to give him all that belongs to him. To fear God is to tremble before him in wonder and awe. It's to give him word and pres- his word and his presence our full attention. The Bible is not a checklist book that we read off like, like, a, like a calculator manual. The Bible is the living, breathing word of God, and it's to revere our time in his word, to revere and, and be wondered by his, our time in his presence. To fear God is to obey him. To fear God is to abstain from any form of complaining, murmuring, gossiping, or grumbling. To fear God is to respect, honor, and submit to his direct authority and his delegated authority. The fear of God shapes our intentions, our thoughts, our words, our actions. Every part of me is to live out of the fear, the awe, the reverence, the majestic wonder of our great God. How many of you are so deeply in love with God that he shapes your entire life? That's what a life of fearing God, that's what makes keeping his commandments not a burden, but a delight. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we've heard that, if you love me, you better keep my commandments. But what Jesus is saying is, if you will love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you'll start with awe and reverence and fear of me, if you'll just devote all of yourself to me, don't worry about the commandments. It'll come because you love me first. Man, how many of you know, it is hard. Pastor Bo said this last week. It is hard to live a life of sin in your prayer closet. It's hard to be sin and grace like fully when you are just living with work. It's hard to hook up with your girlfriend with worship music on in the background. Turn off that Al and put on some elevation worship. It will kill the mood fast. Come on, let's lift our hands and worship up in here, girl. Yeah, that's called getting fully dressed and out the house. That's what that is. Why? Seriously, why? Because a fear of God convicts us against sinning against God. I do not sin because I'm afraid of him. I wanna walk in holiness because I love him. I don't not cuss out my neighbors because I'm just a better person than somebody else. I treat my neighbors with kindness and respect because I love Jesus. You know why I'm faithful to my wife? Not because I'm scared of her. Though dynamite, small packages, true story. I'm not afraid of Stephanie. I love Jesus so much. I love God so much that, that the woman he brought me, I'm in faithful covenant till I stop breathing. I said, girl, if you leave me, I'm coming with you. I ain't messing around. I'm with you forever because I love Jesus. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying, everybody? We have a misconception of the fear of God. We're afraid, you have nothing to be afraid of. We revere, we, sorry, smile. We are in awe and reverence and we live a life of love. And look, it's a, you and I posture ourselves this way. Religion teaches you to behave. God invites us to be in position to love him. Proverbs chapter two. The writer of Proverbs here, Solomon, He's writing this to his sons. And so you have to understand that in the immediate context, this word was written to his sons by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But God gave us this word to be a guide for the sons of God. I mean, this is a word not just for Solomon's boys, but for all of us. And I want us to take it out of its immediate context to what is God saying forever. Watch what Solomon says. Look at the positioning of ourselves to grow in fear of God. Son, if you receive my words, if you treasure my commandments, If you make your ear attentive to my wisdom and you incline your heart to understanding, think about God saying this to all of us. Hey, daughter, hey, son, 
hey, Christian, if you will receive my words, if you will treasure my commands, keep my, your ear attentive to my wisdom and incline your heart to understanding, if you will call out for insight, God, teach me. Lord, you speak to me. I mean, we're in a situation right now as a church. I'm asking God every day for his wisdom and his direction. I'm calling out to God for his insight and his direction. If you'll raise your voice for understanding from me, if you will, look at this, if you will seek it like silver and hidden treasures. Man, how many of us go to the word just to check our little box off because we're doing the new and 90 or hey, I gotta get my quiet time in versus going in the word going, Lord, what treasures do you have for me today? Here's what God's saying. If you will posture yourselves, incline your heart, incline your ear, look at the promise in the next verse, then you will. The first verse starts with if you will, then you will understand the fear and the awe and the reverence of God and you will find knowledge of God. This text shows us if we will position ourselves to chase after God. How many of you remember, man, you ever been in a relationship that you just, you remember the early days of your long relationship? Like I remember when I started dating Stephanie, I couldn't get enough of that girl. I'd stalk her, I was, I didn't even care. This is before cell phones, so I didn't have a choice. Just show up outside of her classroom. What you doing, girl? Let me walk you to your next class. You just chase, you pursue, you wanna get to know. And we chase with this desire to grow in affection. Are y'all hearing me, everybody? Notice the text in Ecclesiastes, fear God and keep the word. Fear God's first, we reverence and awe, and we're just, can I tell you some of the amazing things God is doing? He says, if you'll do this, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. But our decision is to choose to posture our lives in a way with awe and love and respect and reverence and fear of God. Kind of reminds me of the passage I said, I believe Jesus gave us for our year. In Luke 6, 46, when Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I've asked you to do? Before I can do what God wants me to do, I have to love God for who he is. I wanna awe him. I wanna fear him and revere him. Y'all hear me, everybody? Pastor Jordan Smalley mentioned this week, he said, the danger of losing the fear of God. He said, we lose the awe and fear of God. Watch this. When we become casual about God and casual about the things of God. Think about that for a second. I was born in New Orleans, go Saints. I was hoping they'd win the Super Bowl last week. (laughs) I was born in New Orleans and when I was 10 years old, my family moved to East Tennessee, my mom and my two brothers. And I grew up in East Tennessee in a town called Johnson City, Tennessee. And they sit in the middle of the Appalachian Mountain chain. So Appalachian Mountains go from um, Georgia through Maine into Eastern Canada. And they are majestic and beautiful. It's the third largest mountain chain in America, but it is hands down the prettiest with greenery and leaves. And in fact, uh, people come from all around the world to hike the Appalachian Trail. Uh, they go right through my hometown, uh, right outside of my town is Elizabethan. I literally saw mountains in every direction growing up as a kid. Outside of the back door of my house was a mountain. Driving to school on Roan Street to my high school at Science Hill, there was a mountain. And I remember in the winter, looking at that mountain, driving up the street to school, and I could see snow on top of the mountain behind Johnson City. and thanking God if, that there was no snow on the ground for us. These mountains were everywhere. I, Johnson City sits in a bowl in a valley of the mountains. And here's the thing, I saw mountains in every direction of my, my town. 
I never cared about them. I rarely thought about them. They were a hazard in a lot of ways, especially when I was on a bike. I hated the mountains because hills are the devil for a chubby kid on a bicycle. But as a kid, I had no appreciation for the grandeur and majesty of one of the most amazing mountain chains in America. These mountains were in my backyard and they meant nothing to me because they were common. They were everywhere features of my life. I was casual at best, at worst, I hated them. You know, when people literally come from around the world to go to the Smoky Mountains and the Appalachian Mountains to watch the colors uh, that change in October. Can I tell you, one of the most beautiful places in America is East Tennessee in October. I hated East Tennessee in October because Chubby Boy had to rake those stupid leaves out of the yard. And how easily we become casual and even frustrated with the grandeur and majesty of God. And what is part of living life with him becomes normal, casual, routine, or religious. Well, I don't know if we're going to church today, guys. We've got some things going on at the house. I don't know if we're gonna give like we want to this month because, hey, we got some other bills coming up. We, hey, you know, God's changing lives, but man, that church is so busy trying to grow and expand. Look at this now, they're in South Africa. I mean, what are we trying to do here, really? We lose the grandeur and the majesty of what God is doing because we allow it to become keep the commandments first instead of love God and keep his commandments. And we allow the routine of Christian religiosity to make God casual. Never lose your awe and wonder of God and put your faith on autopilot. Your time in God's word is not a checklist. It is a time to seek the treasures of who God is. Your time in prayer is a bold time into the throne room of God Almighty to find grace and receive mercy in your time of need. Never let your walk with God be casual. Never let your view of God and what God's hand is doing become common or casual. Last Monday, I had the privilege of preaching the funeral of one of my really good friends who died in a tragic accident. He was a 160th pilot here, got saved here, baptized here, discipled here. He was a great friend of mine. And I, I flew to Oklahoma City to do his funeral. And while we're standing there after the funeral, we're in the parking lot of this church I don't belong to. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm about to leave to go uh, to travel, to leave, to, to catch a flight out of town. And while I'm standing there, there's three other operators from the 160th and all three of us are standing there. And those guys, four of us, and those guys were just saying how thankful they were for Russ and his life and, and what he stood for. And, and I preached the gospel really hard at this funeral. It's 250, you know, operators and former operators. I just preached the gospel at a funeral. And while we're standing there, this man walks up to us his name's Quana, and he interrupts our time of just reflecting on what God is doing, and I'm literally watching my watch going, I gotta get out of here because I gotta catch a flight to leave, and this guy walks up to us, stumbles up to us, and he says, hey guys, do y'all have any change? And he's a homeless man, it's full sun, 70 degrees, he's wearing a, a down jacket with a teeny weeny beanie on his head, come on man, get a full size beanie, anyway, and he's covered in vomit down the front of his, his, his chest, his nose is broken, he's got a big gash on his forehead that's just scabbed over on his cheek rather, and he walks up to us asking for money, and we get interrupted by this guy, and he walks up and we just said, hey man, what's going on? And he says, can I have some change, I need a cup of coffee, and then I'm gonna go turn myself in at the jail. We said, why are you gonna do that? He said, man, I need to dry out, I need to get some help. And he's totally inebriated, totally drunk. And I, I looked at him and I said, why do you wanna go to jail for that? And he said, cause I'll get three meals and a bed every day and it'll help me um, dry out. And I'm thinking about our Hope Center that we partner with as a church. And I get to serve on their board. And I looked at him and I said, let me ask you a question. Would you rather go to jail and dry out or would you rather go to a house somewhere with 30 other men who are studying scripture and learning to live for Jesus and find sobriety under the mighty hand of God? I said, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And he goes, what do I look like? An idiot 
of course I believe in Jesus. <laughs> Some of my favorite responses ever. <laughs> I said, well, brother, God brought you to us and we're gonna pray for you. So the three, the four of us guys standing there in dark suits at this funeral, lay hands on Quan and we begin to pray for him. And as soon as we said, amen, I said, let me grab you coffee from inside the church. I'll walk in there like I worked there. I was like, hey ladies, can I get some coffee from my boy in the parking lot? Can we get an office to meet up and hang out for a little bit? Long story short, I called Hope Center National Office and I said, hey, do we have a house anywhere near Shawnee, Oklahoma? A couple minutes later, I get a phone call from a guy. He said, I'll be there in one hour and we'll come pick Quana up. I said to Quana, hey, I can put you in a Hope Center rehab. You can be sleeping in a bed, a warm bed tonight versus a jail slab. And then you're gonna be walking through devotion and Jesus and learning to know God for the, for the next year of your life. Do you want that? He goes, I can't believe you're doing this for me. I said, I'm not doing anything for you. God's doing this for you. What a mighty God we serve. And then he, he starts weeping and he hands me his hand. Hang on. And he goes, I need to repent. I need to give my whole life to Jesus. I said, what are you repenting of? He said, everything. I believe in Jesus and he's saving my life today. So then I pray with Quana to receive Christ. I lay hands on him and I say, God, heal this man, restore his life. Let him find freedom in Jesus. And watch this. So one hour later, the, the guy from Hope Center comes, this is last Monday, picks Quana up and they take him to detox and they found that he was so sick from alcohol, he has hepatitis C, he's got uh, hypoglycemia, diabetes, untreated, unmedicated on everything and they had to rush him to the emergency room and the ER doc said he was one hour from death if you guys didn't get him here. He spent two trips in the ER in the first week, now he's in a 30-day medical facility to get all of his treatment covered and to find full life. Quana said to all of us that we saved his life, we said, God, saved your life and Quana's gonna be baptized in two weeks with a full life in front with Jesus. What a mighty God we serve. That should never be boring. That can never be common. What an awesome God. Stop stopping, keep going. We serve an amazing God. The God of the majestic universe cares for that guy and sent your pastor and a group of operators to reach out into this guy's life and Hope Center exists because of the hand of God. When we reverence and fear and awe and worship God, his activities are on full display and they're never boring. Oh man. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know if you struggle with this too, but we tend to treat God casually the longer we walk with him. We're actually creatures of worship and awe and reverence. Think about it. If your favorite politician came to town, how many of you would clear your schedule to go be in the rally? If your favorite celebrity holds a concert and it's like until midnight, you'll call into work the next day to adjust your life. Earlier last fall, Taylor Swift sold out Nissan Stadium twice. Now, I ain't saying no shade on Taylor Swift, whatever, if you're Swifties, just get over this, listen. The second concert on Sunday afternoon, a huge rainstorm comes in and delayed the concert for hours. And people stayed in their parkas and their ponchos in the rain with thunder and lightning, waiting for Taylor to come out and sing songs that they have on Spotify. Because we know, you ever watch old videos of how people acted around Elvis or Michael Jackson? I mean, they pass out. But let me ask you this question. If Jesus Christ, the risen savior of the universe, the creator of everything, the God of your heart walked into this auditorium right now where you're sitting, would you let him interrupt your day? Like would I stop preaching or would I go, hey Jesus, bro, have a seat, man. I'm preaching up here, man of God. 
I'm doing this for you, dog. Sit down. How would you react to the presence of God himself, fear of God? It'll wreck your life. Or would you say to Jesus, hey, bro, listen, uh, 65 minutes, man, I gotta get my kids out of kid point before the crowd gets too big, and I gotta get to El Rancho Grande before the Baptists do, bro. Come on, man, soccer today. Holla at your boy, Jesus. Give me a call. We'll catch up. We need to understand what the fear of the Lord is. We need to walk in it every day. And we live our lives in love and worship and adoration and reverence, and we just can't get enough of our amazing God. He's so great. He's so good. He's so big. He's so wonderful. And we get to live close. The grand eternal God dwells in us and changes us. Now watch. Fear of God is fruitful. I got to finish this message. I got 38 more minutes worth of stuff and I got nine minutes to do it. Holy fear is fruitful and it changes us. Let me park in the book of Proverbs for a little bit. Let me just show you. Let me just tell you that God never has bad plan for you. There is fruit on the other side of living a life in awe of God. Here's what the fear of God produces. You ready? Proverbs 1. Fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. If you want to know some stuff, get close to God. I know that we're in an academic world. We're in an academy world. You got to go to college, get a master's degree. If you want to really know some stuff that counts forever, know God. Fear him, love him. The fear of God, Proverbs 1, 7, is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of God, Proverbs 3, is healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. The fear of God is a hatred of evil. You know how to overcome sin in your life? Get closer to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Y'all can shout better than that. Proverbs 9, fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. That's how to put knowledge to work. By me, wisdom, fear of God, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. The fear of the Lord prolongs your life. The fear of the Lord, Proverbs 14, keeps us walking upright. Come on, somebody. How many of you have been struggling with trying to just do it all by your own strength? Pull up, that's religion. Keep the commandments before fearing God. I'm telling you, keeping the commandments is the result of fearing God. The fear of God is a fountain of life. You ever just met people, just fresh air people? It's because they love Jesus that you can turn away from the snares of death. Proverbs 15, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure without it. Come on, Jesus. Proverbs 15, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom. Proverbs 16, the fear of the Lord. By the fear of the Lord, you turn away from evil. Look at the fruitfulness of this life. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Whoever has it rests satisfied and will not be visited by harm. What a promise. Proverbs 22, the fear of the Lord is the, re- the reward for the fear of the Lord. Here we go, riches, honor, and life. Proverbs 23, the fear of the Lord keeps us from envy of sinners. I don't care what those people have. I don't care what people outside of, you know, some people get real jealous. They're like, what kind of, where's God? All these, all these crazy people getting all the stuff that I'm praying for. Look, don't envy sinners. Don't envy people outside of the family of God. God knows what he's doing with you. You fall in love with him and don't worry about what God's doing with them. Oh man, Proverbs 24, look at this. Fear the Lord and the king. Hello. We got a reverence leadership too. Hello. Watch, don't join with those who do otherwise for disaster will arise suddenly for them. And who knows the ruin that'll come from them both. Remember when I preached two weeks ago? Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. The companion of fools suffers harm. Don't hang out with people who are always clapping on authority and always hating on God. Fear God and fear the king, the leadership in your life. You need to honor your boss. You need to revere your management. You need to look to your parents, kids, as people that God's put in your life. You need to fear them, revere them, respect them, and God will give you a long life. Man, I'm preaching up here. Y'all ain't even talking to me. Proverbs 28. Watch this, blessed, happy, fulfilled, satisfied is the one who fears the Lord always. Here's a warning for you. The fear of man lays a snare. 
You keep worshiping the politicians. Hello, anybody been around election season? Watch, we just fall in love with our candidate. And what does it do? It divides our families. We can't even have Thanksgiving anymore on election years because the fear and love and awe and respect of people will lay a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Ladies, charm is deceitful, beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, my, 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 is to be praised. Ladies who love Jesus, we praise you today. We honor you today. Holy fear is fruitful. This is an amazing life. This is the life of the person who's a Christ follower. We are not afraid of God, but we live in fear and awe and wonder and amazement of God. And let me tell you something, it's not just on Sundays, it's every day. And, and where does it come from? I just wanna tell you that our awe of God is a result of God's awe for us. The Bible says God showed his love and awe and reverence for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Our love and respect and adoration of God is all a response to his love for us. Are y'all hearing me, everybody? Are y'all getting anything out of this sermon? I feel like I'm up here sweating hard. My underarms are just wet <laughs> preaching to y'all today. <laughs> Not really, I wear deodorant. So last thing, I gotta close, we're out of time. So how do we cultivate a life of fear of God? And I believe in my whole heart, God's speaking to us. I believe it's part of the words that the Lord has for us as a church. I believe revival's on the other end of this message, that we're being called into a life of daily fear and love and reverence, reverence of God. Jesus talked about this a lot in the Gospels. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? In Revelation chapter two, Jesus speaks to the church at Ephesus and he brags on the church for doing church things. He starts by saying this, I know your works, I know your toil, your patient endurance, Revelation 2.2, 2, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and they're not and they've found to be false. Watch what Jesus says to the church. I know you're enduring patiently, you're bearing up, waiting, not growing weary, and you're doing it all for my name's sake. Isn't it great to get a letter from Jesus that you're doing church well, everybody? Hello? He says, I see everything you're doing. You're patient. You can't stand evil. You've tested leaders. Here's what he says, verse, cha verse, two, cha uh, verse four, chapter two, verse four. He says, but I have this one thing against you. Ready? You're doing all the right things, but you have abandoned the love that you had for me first. Church, is it possible that we do church well without Jesus? Is it possible that we show up regularly, that we do the Christian routines, we send our tithe check in, that we're kind to our neighbors, and yet we don't love God first? Is it possible? Clearly it is, Jesus said. He said, you're doing all the right things, you just don't fear all and revere me first. So then Jesus, being such a great pastor, gives us directions back, verse five. So then remember, from where are you fallen? Repent and do the things you did at first. I love Jesus, man. He's a good Baptist preacher. Three points. Come on, everybody. <laughs> okay, none of you got that joke? All right. They even, look, remember, when's the last time you reflected on your salvation? When's the last time you just remembered that the God of the universe sought to pick you up out of your sin When's the last time you just reflected? In fact, there's three parts here that, that, that we call um, the, the, the formula to get back into a life cultivating a fear of God. And I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come and our, our band to come up, our keyboard player as we get here. 
The first thing he says is remember your redemption. Go back to the story of your salvation. I'll never forget Halloween of my senior year when God met me in that Baptist church basement. I'm not even a Baptist. I was just saved at one, one of their churches. And he saved me and he, he, he called me a son and he changed my life forever. I think of the story of Quana who met Jesus in the parking lot of that church last week. He said, remember your salvation. He said, second, repent. Repentance has a heaviness to us. And a lot of us hate the word repentance because we think it's shame and it's scorn. No, no, no. Repentance is change your mind. God, I think of you one way, I'm gonna think of you a different way. God, I'm doing these things and I believe they're okay, but God, I'm gonna change my mind. Lord, I think this sexual relationship is okay with you because it's okay with me. I'm gonna change my mind. God, I think my greed is okay, but God, I'm gonna change my mind. He says, repent and turn back to God. James 4 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then he says, do the things you did at first. Repeat the basics. How do we cultivate a life of fear of God? We have to choose to posture ourselves. Remember Proverbs 2, one through five. Focus on these things, posture yourselves in a way and then you'll understand the fear of God. It's like some of you soldiers, you know, you get out of, get out of shape because you get in a job and are promoted to where you don't have to show up for PT anymore. And then you get where you gotta, you know, get a bigger belt. And what do they tell you? Get your butt back out on the road, do the basics. Or you don't know how to field dress a weapon anymore. The technology's changed. And what do you have to do? Get back out there, clean the bolts, get the oil, get the grease, learn it all over again. Go back to the basics. So what are the basics for the Christian? What are the basics for us? And listen, we don't do it out of duty, but we do it to cultivate a life of fear and awe and reverence of God. Write this down and we're done. First thing is get back in your prayer closet. Man, build a life of prayer. Prayer is boldly coming to the throne to find grace and receive mercy. It's meeting with the God of the universe. He's got everything in the palm of his hand and he wants to hear from you. Build a life of prayer first. Consume the word of God. Look into the scripture like you're mining for treasures. Anybody remember doing like gold panning, mining at like Dollywood as a kid? How many of y'all thought you were gonna be the one to strike it rich with that bag of marbles? Get in there in the word, man. I've been reading Luke since January 1st and I'm like 14 chapters in. We're 45 days into the month. I can't get there very fast because I keep, I feel like the word of God is in 3D on the paper right now. Consume the word, like get to know Jesus through his word. Third thing is commit to his church. Everybody needs a pastor. Everybody needs accountability. Get in a small group. Quit thinking about it. Oh, I'm gonna pray about it, pastor. Quit making church and small group common. Make it part of your priority as you pursue the Lord. Share the gospel with people. Can you imagine the moment we would have missed out had we just told Quana to go on, move on, we're busy talking? Share the gospel. Let God do the miraculous through you. Say, Lord, what do you wanna do with me this week? And let the wonder of God raise up in your life. Serve people. There's something so special about seeing the hand of God through you. I'm calling everybody in this church to join a dream team this month. Quit thinking about it. Quit shaking your head at me. Quit going, that's a good point. Boy, I agree with that, but I'm not gonna do it. Serve people and grow in fear. Here's what happens. When you start serving people, you start incrementally watching their lives change. Man, you'll grow in fear of God and grow to be a generous person. Be generous with your life, your time, your talent, your resources, treasure. Be a tither, be a giver. Help us build new churches. Be generous with your life. And these are the things, remember Proverbs 2, 1 through 5, position yourself in a way and then you will understand the fear of the Lord.
Father, would you help us in Jesus' name? Come on, we got to wrap here. Father, would you help us to grow in the fear of the Lord? Bevere says, the fear of God is to esteem, respect, honor, venerate, revere, and adore him above anything or anyone else. Lord, we give you praise, adoration, and thanksgiving that you deserve. We're not afraid of you, but we are terrified of being away from you. God, grow us in holy fear, in reverence to God, in Jesus' name. Would you pray this with me? Say, God, I love you. Come on, say it like you mean it. God, I love you. I'm in awe of you. I revere you. I want more of you. I wanna fear you first, in first position of my whole life. Purify me, cleanse me, change me, bear fruit in me as I fear and revere and love you every day, all of my life in love with Jesus. I believe in you, that you died for me to give me new life. I confess my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. I receive your glorious salvation. Thank you, God, for saving me. I say this, I commit out of love for you to follow you, to live by your word, do what you tell me in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, Lord. Can you say amen in the house of God today, everybody? We're so happy that you joined us today. We hope that you've been inspired and challenged by today's message. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus, stay connected or partner with us through generosity, be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope that you have a blessed week and we'll see you next Sunday.